to express yourself where teens talk and the world listens presented by star style productions as an international outreach program of be the star you are charity you'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters meet and chat with cool celebrities exhilarating experts and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know it's time to kick off the fun with our star teens welcome to express yourself The severity of one's disability does not determine the level of potential. The greatest barriers that persons with disabilities have to overcome are not steps or curbs, it's expectations. Karen Clay Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice like here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of Be The Star You Are Charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. For today's show, Be The Star You Are wants to thank everyone who has volunteered and supported BTSYA over the years. We are thrilled to be serving the world. If you'd like to help us celebrate being a top nonprofit with a donation, please visit www.btsya.com. That's www.btsya.com. Every dollar counts, and we will use the funds for our outreach programs. Make sure you to listen to Express Yourself wherever you listen to radio or music. iTunes, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. We broadcast from the Empowerment Channel on Voice America Radio, the largest radio network in the world. Hello, I'm Kirthi, your host for this show today. Before we start the program, we want to announce that Be The Still You Are Charity is entering the metaverse. By purchasing an NFT from www.starstylecommunity.com, you will be donating to Be The Still You Are. Each NFT is based on a character from Cynthia Bryan's new children's book, No Barnyard Bullies, illustrated by Jensen Russell. These NFTs are like baseball trading cards of yore. Check out the roadmap for upcoming events just for Star Style community members, where exclusive experiences are part of the package. It's going to be super fun. Jump into the metaverse and buy our NFTs at HTTPS www.starstylecommunity.com Today's show is all about intellectual disabilities and women's empowerment. In segment two, I will be talking to best-selling author and journalist Melissa Hart about her book, Daisy Woodworm Changes the World. Be sure to check it out at www.melissahart.com In segment three, I will be interviewing a second guest, Sonia Somani, about her work for her nonprofit, Health for Who, and also talk to her about her experience with charity work. And right now, in segment one, we have, oh wait, it's me, Teehee. Salutations, again, 
technically salutations is supposed to be a greeting. And I already said hello, so if I say hello, then salutations, theoretically, I'm greeting you twice. Hello, hello. Do you think that one hello negates another hello? Like how two neg negatives make a positive, but then two positives don't make a negative. And hello is supposed to be positive, but it does rely on connotation. Was I saying hello with a positive connotation or a negative connotation? Was I saying hello or hello or hello or hello or hello or... Okay, time to stop my theoretical analysis, analysis of the word hello. Hi, I'm Kirthi, if you somehow don't already know that, and this is my segment, Nerd Extraordinaire. Oh wait, there seems to be a problem. Beep, beep. Nerd Extraordinaire is not available at the time. If you'd like to leave a message, please leave one at the beep. Beep. Okay, enough lollygagging. Long story short, your girl here couldn't find a nice way to connect debate or fiction writing with intellectual disabilities, so I thought it would be nice to start off the show with a nice little introduction to intellectual disabilities. It's no nerd extraordinaire today, due to my ignorance. Boo-hoo. Okay, let's start. Number one. Let's define intellectual disabilities. According to the American Psychiatric Association, intellectual di disabilities affect intellectual and adaptive functioning, which means that individuals with intellectual disabilities generally struggle with critical thinking and learning, the intellectual part, and living daily life as an independent human being, the adaptive part. Approximately 1% of the population is affected. Intellectual disabilities are diagnosed through measuring intellectual and adaptive functioning. Intellectual functioning is traditionally measured through psychometrically valid assessments of intelligence. To put it less fancily, it's called an IQ test. Intelligence quotient. A common IQ score that exhibits limited intellectual functioning is usually around 70 to 75. Technically, that doesn't serve as a hard set boundary because all of the individual's general mental abilities have to be considered because the IQ score may not reflect over well, intellectual functioning. Kind of like how that one time you lost that one Monopoly game doesn't reflect your skills at the ancient practice of becoming pretend business moguls and real estate investors and fighting over fake money. Humanity is bizarre, I have to say. Let's go on to measuring adaptive functioning. Adaptive functioning is considered in three different categories, conceptual, practical, and social. Conceptual adaptive functioning consists of the patient's ability to learn concepts, such as school subjects or memory. Social adaptive functioning is basically what it sounds like. You know, charisma, communication, empathy, yada, yada, yada. Practical adaptive functioning consists of the boiling stuff, I guess. Planning, responsibilities, financial management, basically like how it sounds. The practical self-care stuff. Fun fact. 90% of the population is terrible at this. That's just a joke. Please don't take this seriously and actually believe it. But it isn't, isn't it kind of true? Anyway, I still haven't told you guys exactly how adaptive functioning is measured. One word, interviews. That's literally all. Just 500 hour therapy sessions with some rando you've never seen before in your life, interrogating you about your deepest hopes and fears. Fun. All of these methods are used for diagnosing intellectual disabilities, but normally symptoms of intellectual disabilities are usually exhibited when a child has trouble with academics. Let's talk about causes. One that you all must think of when you hear intellectual disabilities is Down syndrome, 
since we're having our guest in segment two, who's going to be talking something about Down syndrome, let's get a little background of it. Down syndrome is one of many genetic syndromes that cause intellectual disabilities. Down syndrome, typically called trisomy 21, is when a person has an extra copy of chromosome 21. Chromosomes are like little packages in the body that carry genes. Trisomy means that a chromosome has been duplicated, and it's called trisomy instead of something like disomy. And, you know, ideally you would think it would be called disomy because it's duplication. You're getting two X, you're getting an extra copy of one. So two copies, you would think that. But typically there are supposed to be two copies of each chromosome in the body. If there's an extra copy of one of those two copies, then there would be a three total chromosome 21s. So it's called a trisome. The average IQ of a young adult with Down syndrome is 50, with the intelligence of an approximately eight-year-old kid. It's caused by mistake, mistakes and mishaps during mitosis, which is cellular replication. We've all been a little egg inside our mom's stomach. If you haven't, then that's some straight-up X-file stuff. That tiny egg, once fertilized, is called a zygote. A zygote starts off as just one cell, but we have many more cells than that. So we go through mitosis, cellular replication, whatever you want to call it, to have more cells. And the prime steps of mitosis are the separation and the duplication of DNA and chromosomes. When things go wrong, even something so insignificant as one more chromosome can cause something as drastic as Down syndrome, which causes a severe decrease in intellectual, uh, intellectual ability and facial distortion, all which have no cure. Keep your chromosomes handy, people, and don't forget them somewhere. Don't forget them at the local grocery store or drop them on your couch. But don't steal other people's chromosomes, too. All in all, intellectual disabilities are drastic, but we shouldn't let them stop us. If you have an intellectual disability, that doesn't stop you from aspiring to become whatever you want. Anyone can be anything if they believe in themselves. Soar to the sky and keep your chromosomes safe with your newfound knowledge about intellectual disabilities. Welp, that's it for this segment. Make sure you stay tuned for our next segment where I will be interviewing Melissa Hart, best-selling author of Daisy Woodworm Changes the World. We want to hear your thoughts and we want to answer your questions. So email us at btsyateenradio at gmail.com. That's btsya teenradio at gmail.com. Check out our radio site at www.expressyourselfteenradio.com and our creative community site at www.bethestoryware.org. You can get involved with Be The Story You Are charity, buy books and t-shirts in our store, and sign up for our free newsletter and make a donation to Be The Story You Are. Be the star you are Light up the flame that burns Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit bethestaryouare.org to make a tax-deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. Be the star you are dot org. Be the lucky star you
Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The positive message outreach program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Low literacy and poor communication skills have been identified in studies as major contributors to general conduct disorders, psychiatric disorders, criminal behavior, and adolescent suicide. To live and prosper in this society, we must be lifelong learners with access to knowledge and skills that can sustain our lives at work, at home, and in our communities. Be the star you are. 501c3 Charity has been working to increase literacy and improve positive message programming since 1999. You can help by making a tax-deductible donation today. Visit www.bethestaryouare.org. Everybody counts. www.bethestaryouare.org. Be the lucky star you You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Express Yourself. We are currently talking about intellectual disabilities and women's empowerment on today's show. And right now, I have the pleasure to talk to Melissa Hart, author of Daisy Woodworm Changes the World, which you can find at www.melissahart.com. Oregon journalist Melissa Hart is the author of the middle grade novels Daisy Woodworm Changes the World and Avenging the Owls, as well as Better with Books, 500 diverse books to ignite empathy and encourage self-acceptance in tweens and teens. She grew up near Los Angeles with her brother, who has Down syndrome, and she taught people with intellectual disabilities for several years before moving to Oregon to write full-time. Her essays and articles have appeared in the New York Times, the Washington Post, Smithsonian, CNN, Nat Geo Kids, and numerous other publications. In her free time, she loves to hike, bike, kayak, run, and hang out with her husband, teen daughter, and four cats, four chickens, and one very patient rescue terrier. Her Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok all go under the username at Wild Melissa Hart. Here's a short blurb of her novel, Daisy Woodworm Changes the World. When 13-year-old Black star and amateur entomologist Daisy gets an assignment to change the world. She decides to help her brother, Sorel, who has Down syndrome and adores Special Olympics and men's fashion, fulfill his dream of becoming a YouTube influencer. The catch? If the overprotective parents find out, 
Daisy won't be able to change anything. So, Melissa, why don't we start off, start off this segment with a definition of Down syndrome? What is your definition of Down syndrome? That is such a good question to start with, and thanks so much for having me. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Down syndrome is an intellectual disability. Uh, it's an intellectual uh, condition, genetic condition that people are born with. There are varying degrees of Down syndrome from, you know, mild to a little bit more intense. And babies born with Down syndrome, they, it may take them longer to learn to move their bodies, um, to learn to read and write. And that said, there are all sorts of young adults with Down syndrome doing amazing things in the world including the first man to ever with Down syndrome ever to compete in an Ironman triathlon and any number of CEOs of their own businesses. Wow, I really like that definition. I feel that it's really profound. So um, we all know that you grew up with a brother who has Down syndrome. So why don't you tell us about your experience with having a brother who has Down syndrome? I was really lucky that we had the mother we had. Um, when my brother was born, he's five years younger than I am. The doctors told my parents, put him in an institution. He will never amount to anything. And my mother said, basically, over my dead body, he's going into an institution. And she immediately started educating herself about all of the different things that my brother would need, which included physical therapy from the time he was an infant, and sort of just extra extra care, extra tutoring when he started school, extra um, extra tutoring to how, you know, how to move his body in space. She learned about an, a lot about nutrition um, for people with Down syndrome because they have a tendency towards low muscle tone, and she learned a lot about the importance of exercise. So she had him in Special Olympics. Uh, when he was pretty young, and we just had a wonderful time growing up. She um, she told me, you know what, he's no different from you, and he was just my pasty little brother, and he made me a little nuts, and we absolutely adored each other, and we had many, many adventures, some of which are in Daisy Woodworm Changes the World. So... Was Daisy Woodworm Changes the World, like, I can see some parallels between that story and your story, your personal life story. So were any of the characters, such as Daisy Woodworm, like, inspired by you and your own life? Oh, yes, definitely. So Daisy, she's not me, per se, but I was a runner. I've been a runner since I was 12 years old. Um, I just finished a half marathon in the rain, snow, and hail here in Oregon. And so a lot of her experiences as a track star are um, heavily dependent on my own experiences when I was running in junior high and high school. And then a lot of the relationship between Daisy and her brother Squirrel is directly based on my relationship with my little brother and just, you know, the kind of bickering about whose turn it is to clean the rabbit's litter box because they have a house rabbit and just 
the affection and the sort of pumping each other up when one or the other is depressed. Those are all based on on real-life experiences between my brother and me. So what message do you want teen readers to take away from Daisy Woodworm Changes the World? Oh, that's a great question. I have two messages. One is what uh, Daisy's social studies teacher says when he gives them the assignment to change the world. He tells them, it doesn't matter that you're 13 years old. You can make incredible changes for the better. And there's actually a blueprint in the novel, according to this teacher, for exactly how to do that, along with plenty of real-life examples of young people who have changed the world in profound ways. So that's one of the messages, is don't leave it all to the adults. You can start changing the world right now. The other message that I hope the book gets across is how important it is to be inclusive of people. They may look different from you. They may act different from you. But it is just so rewarding to add people, you know, from all demographics to your circle of friends. And I watched my brother really um, be marginalized and made fun of when we were kids. And when I started teaching special ed, I had peer tutors in my classroom. So um, they would come in and work with my kids who had intellectual and physical disabilities, and then my kids would go to their classroom. And I just feel like that relationship enriched everybody who was involved. So those are the two messages that I hope are takeaways. So you were a special ed teacher. So why don't you tell us about your experience with intellectual disabilities through your teaching? Oh, yeah, sure. So I didn't intend to do that uh, as a as a job, but um, I had run a day camp for kids with intellectual and physical disabilities when I was still in college. And then later, um, when I was, I believe, a senior, I did some job coaching for people with disabilities out in the community, and I just loved it. So while I was working on my master's in creative writing, I also had a job as a special education teacher for nine third graders who had varying degrees and and conditions of intellectual and physical disability. And it was just fascinating to to see all of these different types of kids and their methods of communication and their methods of movement, physical movement across the world. And um, I just I just learned so much. And at the same time, I was volunteering with my brother's Special Olympics team. And so you'll see some of those particular characters represented in Daisy Woodworm Changes the World with so much love, so much affection. Wow, it seems like you're truly changing the world, just like Daisy Woodworm aspires to. So um, when did you start doing this kind of changing the world business? Like, when did you start when did you start supporting people with intellectual disabilities other than your brother and start feeling for them, feeling empathy for them? That Oh, that's a great question. I had never thought of that before. Yeah. You know, it's a real shame because he went to a different school than I did when we were kids. 
And so I never got to meet any of his friends. He got to meet my friends and hang out with them, and they loved him. But it really wasn't until he graduated from high school and we were living in the same small town in Southern California that I began to really interact with his friends and interact with his Special Olympics teams. And I think that's, at that point, that's when I started advocating for all sorts of people with, not just with Down syndrome, but with cerebral palsy and people on the autism spectrum, et cetera. And just um, not only befriending them, but becoming an ally as a volunteer and a teacher. And um, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, like I feel like it's it's nice to start this kind of stuff at a young age. Because as you grow up, you can learn and you can you can cultivate your interest. And also, also like your age doesn't matter. You can do anything at any age. And I feel like Daisy Woodworm Changes the World. Your book is a really, is a really good, good like um. It's it's something that really really delivers that message really well. So um, how old were you when you wanted when you knew you wanted to be a writer? I was really hoping you would ask that question because I was I believe I was about ten years old. My mother was a journalist and an author. And she sort of taught me the ropes. She taught me how to write a story and send it to a magazine. I started getting short stories and poetry published when I was a freshman in high school. All of this, not to brag, but to tell your listeners, it is never too early to start publishing your writing. There are all sorts of magazines that would love to receive writing from kids and teenagers. And I'm going to give your listeners one website in particular. If they go to a website called newpages.com, that's N-E-W-P-A-G-E-S.com, there's a special section for young writers, and it's a compilation of different magazines and newspapers that publish writing by young people, also writing contests for young people. So... I just think if you are, if you're into poetry, screenplays, storytelling of any type, share it with the world and you can be, you know, six years old and, and you can start sharing this with the world. Yeah, actually, in fact, BTSYA is one of these, one of these organizations who welcome young writers. So if you'd like to be published, you can you can um, go to our website, creative community website, btsya.com, and you can sign up for the volunteer questionnaire, and you can write a book review and get published on our creative community website. And there are already like hundreds and hundreds of book reviews in so many different categories. So I think that these kinds of websites who, who appreciate the talent of young writers are really useful for people our age, teen, teenagers. So... I think we should really take take advantages of those opportunities we have and publish our book. So um, we're talking about how old you were when you knew, what, knew you wanted to be a writer, but how old were you, were you like when you knew you wanted to write about intellectual disabilities and kind of about this whole theme of Down syndrome and relating to your own experiences in life? Oh, right. So I think I 
started writing about my younger brother maybe 18 years ago. I <clears throat> I was reading a lot or listening to the um, the essayist and storyteller David Sedaris, and I was really interested in the way that he mixes um, kind of poignant stories about his family and humor. So I wrote a long personal essay about my brother called Drinking Beer with Miss Sherry Tiptoes. That's what I called him when we were kids, and we would play dress-up, and I would dress him up as a girl and make him play charm school. And so this was an essay about um, just growing up with a brother who had Down syndrome and how that affected me and how that affected him. And so I guess, yeah, I think it was about 18 years ago that I that I started writing about him and other people with um, with intellectual disabilities. So, what advice would you give to young teen teenage writers who want to get published? Oh, good question. Because I forgot to tell your listeners something. I had been talking about magazines that publish young writers. But I will also say that newspapers across the country and probably around the world have an an op-ed page, a commentary page. And those editors love to hear from young writers who are passionate about social and political issues. Don't let, you know, the middle-aged adults have all the fun in those newspaper op-ed pages. Write your own political and social commentary and get those published. We need your voices out there. Um, the other advice I have is to set aside maybe half an hour a day to write and and turn off your phone. It's so hard to do. And I actually have to use a distraction blocker on my computer that won't let me access any of my social media sites in the two hours a day that I write. Otherwise, I would be on Facebook and looking at cat videos all day. So I have to put all the technology away, and I have to just totally focus. And I actually write longhand in a notebook. Sometimes I'll take myself out for a mocha and so that I won't be distracted by screens. Yeah. <laughs> that is some – those are some very funny ways of – they're very funny, but actually – they sound very effective because I feel like social media is definitely something that distracts you from writing. Right. So There's something else I should add, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. And I only know this because I used to train owls. Yes, I said owls. Owls? <laughs> and an owl is not going to sit on your gloved hands unless there's a reward. So whenever I would train an owl to sit on my arm for an educational presentation, I would have to give it a dead mouse as a reward. I, as a writer, am not going to sit down and write unless I know there's a reward at the end. So I will write for cookies. And so my other piece of advice is to find out what your most exciting reward is and make sure you reward yourself after you write. Yeah, I think that's really good advice for writing. So you, in in your bio, 
we heard about your previous middle grade novel, Avenging the Owl, which was an Oregon Battle of the Book selection in 2018 and 19. So why don't you tell us about that? Oh, my goodness, yes. So Avenging the Owl is sort of my love letter to Oregon. I've lived here now for 23 years. I absolutely love this state. And Avenging the Owl is about a 14-year-old boy forced to move out of his Southern California beach house to a trailer in the middle of Oregon after his father has a nervous breakdown. He accidentally commits a crime and finds himself with eight weeks of community service at the local Raptor Rehabilitation Center, taking care of injured and orphaned birds of prey, so owls, eagles, hawks, etc. The problem is he is terrified of birds. And in this book, he discovers an unlikely best friend, his next-door neighbor, who is a year older and has Down syndrome. And so readers will learn all about birds of prey and what it's like to volunteer at a raptor rehabilitation center, and they'll learn about the flora and fauna of Oregon. As well, the protagonist wants to be a screenwriter, and so there's lots of great screenwriting in the book itself. Wow. So you have another book that features this these intellectual disabilities like Down syndrome. So I recommend you guys to check that out, too, to check um, Avenging the Owl. So unfortunately, we're out of time for today's show. So um, um, thank you so much, Miss Hart. It was a pleasure talking to you. So be sure to take out Daisy. Uh, check out. Be sure to check out Daisy Woodworm Changes the World and other of Melissa Hurt's books at www.melissahurt.com. And it's an awesome book. I really recommend you guys to check it out. Also be sure to follow at Wild Melissa Hurt on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Stay tuned for the next segment, where I will be talking to our second guest, nonprofit founder Sonia Samani. Be the star you are Light up the flame that burns. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit be the star you are.org to make a tax deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. Be the star you are.org. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The positive message outreach program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. 
Low literacy and poor communication skills have been identified in studies as major contributors to general conduct disorders, psychiatric disorders, criminal behavior, and adolescent suicide. To live and prosper in this society, we must be lifelong learners with access to knowledge and skills that can sustain our lives at work, at home, and in our communities. Be the star you are. 501c3 Charity has been working to increase literacy and improve positive message programming since 1999. You can help by making a tax-deductible donation today. Visit www.bethestarur.org. Everybody counts. www.bethestarur.org. Be the lucky star you You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our Intellectual Disabilities and Women's Empowerment Show. Right now, in our third segment, I will be interviewing Sonia Somani. Sonia Somani, a current junior at Phoenix Country Day School and, and an av- avid youth changemaker, is passionate about entrepreneurship and social advocacy. She co-founded a nonprofit organization, Health for Who, that is dedicated to helping provide necessary health and educational resources for undeserved women and their families. Sonia decided that she wanted to make a positive impact within the community by developing something that could be long-lasting and helping others, especially after seeing the massive impact of the ongoing pandemic around her. In addition, Sonia is a member of the National Charity League's Camelback chapter, in which she has served many leadership roles, such as president, teacher, and nominating committee member. Health for Her is a youth-led 501c3 nonprofit organization that works to provide necessary health and educational resources for underprivileged women. You can check the website out at www.health-4-her.org. Welcome, Sonia, to Express Yourself Teen Radio. We are so happy you are joining us. So, Sonia, why don't we start off by talking about your nonprofit, Health for Her? So, what is Health for Her? So thank you for introducing me. And as you said, Health for Her is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is dedicated to helping provide the necessary health and educational resources for underserved women and their families. And actually, as of this month, we are now an official certifying organization for the President's Volunteer Service Award, and we've held countless events to help those in need. So what motivated you, you to start this organization? Well, Health for Her was launched back in December of 2020 during my freshman year of high school, and it was following the peak of COVID-19. My co-founder and I realized the need to help those who do not have the essential resources, particularly within the health and educational departments that all people really need. 
and we were striving to make a positive impact within our community, as you said, by developing something that could be long-lasting and helping others, especially after seeing the impact of the ongoing pandemic around us. So after countless hours of brainstorming and editing, we decided that our focus would primarily be women's and children's health, both physically and mentally. So what is you guys' newest project? Um, so our newest project would be um, the event. Oh, actually, currently we have a toy drive going on, and it's being hosted at Saguaro High School. And um, the toys will be de- donated for the benefit of Phoenix Children's Hospital. And along with that, starting tomorrow, we also have a drive at Arizona College Prep High School for um, menstrual products as well. So, wow, I feel like it's really meaningful to, at this age, to be doing such a thing, to to start a whole nonprofit organization. What are you, a junior in high school and you're doing all of this? So what advice would you give to other teens who would like to start organizations like this? Um, I think my biggest thing would be like, I feel like teenagers around the world, especially in like rural types of areas, don't realize that they have the capability of doing so much more even as a student and as someone of our age. So, like, for example, I went to India over the summer for health for her, and um, I was talking to some of the girls in a rural town, and they did not realize that they have the capability of, like, starting their own thing, doing what they're actually interested in, because many of the times over there, they'll finish high school and then um, just get married. Like, that's that's all that they real. They don't realize that they're capable of doing so much more. So I think that would be my biggest thing that like, truly, truly like, if you put your mind to anything, you can achieve what you desire. And like, even as a student, I, I won't lie. It's a little bit of a struggle, like balancing things, but I totally think that helps for her and whatever, like the person is interested in doing is worth it. Wow, I think that's some really good advice. So which one of these projects that you've done will help for her? Which one is the most meaningful to you, personally? Um, It was probably the India project that I was talking about. Um, During my visit to India, I was able to organize an event in a very rural town, as I said, where I talked to over around 200 female students from three different schools in that rural area. And I spoke to them about the importance of staying in school because often these girls will finish high school at 18 and get married, and that's just their life, like I said. But I wanted them to realize that they're capable of doing so much more. And I spoke to the girls about menstruation because it's a very taboo topic in these types of smaller rural towns. And so the girls don't have enough knowledge about how to take care of their bodies and minds, especially during that time. So I feel like the biggest barrier doing that was that I couldn't exactly communi- communicate with them because I can speak Hindi, but they spoke like they obviously couldn't really understand my Hindi and like they spoke a language that was for their town. So that was a little bit of a struggle, but we had a translator and towards the end we figured out like a way to communicate even without that translator. And then during that event, my younger brother, who's also a golfer, spoke to the male students at the schools about 
the educational and athletic life in the United States and the importance of a nutritious diet. And he showed them how to play golf. And it was really inspiring to watch because they'd never seen anything like that. And, like, my brother was younger than all of them, so it was just really cool to see. So what is Healthful's aspiration? Like, what do they aspire to do in the future? Like, what do they want to change about the world? Um, I Long-term-wise, I just want to branch out health for her into neighboring states and countries. Using and that using the help of our social media platform and our international ambassadors. But I feel like our primary goal is just to help as many people as we can and creative and create a positive impact in our community and beyond. Yeah, like even not only in your community, like for for someone who's under the age of eighteen, you're doing some like really big stuff. Like you're going internationally, like all the way to India. And I feel like that's really inspiring for teens all over that shows that even if you're a teen, you can do anything. So what would you like to do with your life in the future? Um, I think that leading an an organization like Health for Her has helped me realize that I would like to be an entrepreneur in the future by starting my own business and creating my own path. And I'm interested in the entertainment and media field as well as the business and management of fashion. So I feel like the experience that I'm getting through Health for Her has helped me get to this realization. And along with all of that, I want to continue my passion for social advocacy by leading Health for Her and expanding the organization even further. And then in the future, I want to travel the world and experience different cultures as I continue my love for helping others. So, so I think that it's really nice that you want to, not only do you want to affect the community around you, you want to go all around the world. You literally want to change the world. I think that's really ambitious, and that's a really good ambition. Ambitious is, being ambitious is always really good. Like, you should always be big, because big is better in this scenario. So, um... Where do you see yourself in the next three to five years? Um, I see myself prioritizing my education at college while simultaneously expanding my social network. Um, Obviously, I'm going to be working to expand health for her and continue the nonprofit work. And then, as I said earlier, I would like to study business and hopefully on the path to starting my own business while continuing to expand my horizons. I think that that really follows your organization's idea that you can do anything, like nothing is impossible. That I hope that in the future, if you do become an entrepreneur, I hope you do start another organization like this. So, um, what? How? How will you balance your nonprofit and college work? You plan to go to college, and I'm assuming you plan to. Um, uh, keep this, maintain this health for nonprofit. How will you do this at, when you're in college? Right. So I think I've been learning that during high school, how to balance like my academics and extracurriculars with health for her's work. And it's been a little bit of a challenge, especially this year as a junior. But I think the most important thing to do is to prioritize 
it's important to keep track of deadlines and having a to-do list never hurts, but it's important to give yourself downtime as well. Okay, so um, so I'm assuming you probably do that right now in high school too, don't you? Half by yes, yeah. academics and extracurriculars. So I think that even when you have all of this stuff on your plate, like you you in high school, you obviously have a lot of homework, a lot of schoolwork, and you know sometimes it feels like you want to lift your brain out. But I feel like it's a really nice way. So um, how exactly would you balance the, all of this, like academics and extracurriculars and nonprofits and blah, blah, blah? How do you do all of this? I think that one of the biggest obstacles I had to overcome while learning to balance all of this was time management. Because running a nonprofit while being a student was a struggle at first, but as I, like, kept practicing and over the years I got the hang of it and learned to prioritize over time and seeing that it was kind of difficult seeing some of the more impoverished communities and again the lack of resources they had but that's where we came in and that it honestly motivated me to continue learning how to balance these these two things because I wanted to help as much as I could and seeing all these communities that don't have the resources that they need led me to like wanting to do as much as I could to help them. So what impoverished communities, we all didn't know about India, but how, what other impoverished communities have you and Health for Who benefited? A lot of them have been refugees as we live in Arizona. So we worked, worked with a lot of hospitals that um, help refugees and then like smaller organizations like for example, the Welcome to America Project based in Arizona to help um, keep refugees coming into the United States. We help them settle into their homes by helping provide some products. So, yeah, I think the biggest group of people have been the refugees that we've helped. So what do you think the beneficiaries would say is the best thing about Health for Who? Um, I feel like beneficiaries would say... The best thing about Health for Her is definitely the face-to-face personal connection that we experience when we go to donate the items that we've collected because we're able to answer the questions that these people have and encourage those that we are helping, and that definitely is the best part. And also, we're able to tailor to the needs of the people that we're helping, which helps the beneficiaries use the resources resources they are given to maximum capacity. But yeah, I think the best part is actually being able to talk to the people we're helping. So so you mentioned that your organization helps refugees. So where are the refugees from? So like migrants from South American countries, for example? Um, So they come from all around different places. I'm not exactly sure where each of them are. But, yeah, a lot of them are from South Africa. Some are from India. I've met a lot from India, Afghanistan. It's just basically everywhere, wherever they need help. Because I do know that um, Arizona is a place where lots of South American immigrants um, come to. So that's why I asked that question. But um, it doesn't look like you've encountered them much, but I hope you do encounter them sometime. You probably will through, like, the path you're 
organization is going. You probably will. So um, how do you plan to expand Health for Her? Um, I plan to expand Health for Her with the help of our social media platforms as we are living in the digital age and as well as through the help of our team members. Um, our organization, organizational and leadership skills have guided Health for Her to an international scale already with ambassadors in numerous countries. And um, as I said before, I want to, I, I hope to branch out Health for Her into more states and countries with the help of our social media and our international ambassadors. And um, I think right now, especially, we're expanding more than we have ever because um, we started doing drives at numerous different schools that are like, like the one that we have currently is in Saguaro High School, which is in Scottsdale, Arizona. And then the one that's starting tomorrow actually is at Arizona College Prep, which is in Chandler. So like on, in different parts of Arizona as well. So what are some obstacles you might, you must overcome or have already experienced through your journey? Um, I think I said this earlier, but my biggest obstacle was time management because being a student while running a nonprofit with um, all the other extracurriculars that I have was really, really hard to balance. But again, as time went on, I learned how to prioritize and I got the hang of it. But um, also it was really difficult seeing the communities that didn't have the resources that we have because I feel like we live in such a privileged, like, bubble and, like, seeing all those communities that didn't have these essential resources that they needed to survive was, like, it was really heartbreaking to see. Yeah, I feel like that should be, like, something that's an obstacle in the process of this because it's really really um, hard to see all of these struggling people who don't have the same privileges as us. And so, yeah. um, unfortunately, we don't have much more time for this show today. Thank you so much for being on the episode, Sonia. Be sure to follow Health for Her on Instagram at healthfor.her and visit the website at www.health-for-her.org. I hope you enjoyed our show today. We are out of time for today's show. As always, we express our gratitude to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment crew, especially our audio engineer, Josh. Thanks to our guests from across the world, and a huge thank you to our listeners for making us a top-rated program. For more information about Be The Star You Are charity, visit www.bethestarurl.org. Find us on Instagram at Express Yourself Radio. Don't think of it as a disability. Think of it as a different ability. Suppose support individuals who are diagnosed with Down syndrome and other intellectual disabilities and don't discriminate against women and always make a difference. Always remember to speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself. Produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel.
Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine.